0: all right good afternoon sorry about all that i have so much technology here in front of me and i wanted to get the map up there as well as we're going to be uh, making mention of a couple of places that will be in scripture Uh, but if you have your bibles invite you to turn to john chapter six and we'll continue our study in the life of christ Uh, of course uh sunday morning we uh, concluded our, our study on uh, Jesus walking on the water, of course, uh, that is a one of those miracles that uh, I think uh, many of us are familiar with. Uh, if we recall you know Jesus had just fed the five thousand and uh, he and his uh, disciples are going to a more secluded place you know they 're very tired they 're hungry they 're not able to eat a meal uh, even but Uh, Jesus has this crowd come to him again 5,000 men uh, let alone the women and children so maybe you know a good estimate would be anywhere from 10 to 15,000 people there where Jesus feeds and uh, of course right afterwards right after he feeds them uh, John lets us know in his gospel account that you know the people wanted to take him by force and to make him their king uh, their, their physical king and uh so Jesus has to do a couple of things we saw. First, he sent his disciples away. He tells them to, uh, you know, again, up there on the map, I didn't grab the clicker, but, you know, they're up there in that area of Bethsaida, sort of on the northeast side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, he's going to send his disciples uh, west to towards uh, Genesareth, which, uh, unfortunately, that's not up there, but it's sort of Uh, If you see Capernaum and Magdala, it's probably right in the middle in that area. So he sends his disciples there uh, by boat. Uh, He sends the crowd away. And uh, then Jesus goes up on a mountain and prays. And so then we're told uh, that uh, around the fourth watch of the night, again, this would be anywhere between 3 and 6 a.m., that Jesus uh, appears to the disciples out in the middle. They're out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, three to four miles out uh, in Into the middle of this sea, and they see what they think at first is a ghost walking towards them, uh, but of course uh, you know that 's Jesus, uh, Jesus calms their fears, and of course, uh, who is it? who is it that speaks up from the boat it 's Peter right uh, Peter's the one who is the spokesman for the twelve apostles. Peter speaks up. Again, remember the conditions that they're on this boat. It's dark out. the, the, the wind is contrary. They're straining at the oars. Uh, it's, uh, uh, we're also told that the waves are battering them, so uh, there's this great storm coming upon them, and they, uh, of course they see Jesus as well, uh, thinking him as a ghost. and uh, Peter speaks up and says, "Well, if it is you, Lord, you know, command me to come to you." And so Jesus gets up, or excuse me, Peter gets up, gets out of the boat. And he starts to walk towards Jesus, right? And, uh, and Matthew is the only one that lets us know about uh, Peter and this uh, miraculous event that's happening uh, in his account. But Peter begins to walk towards Jesus, but then he takes his eyes off Jesus. He takes his eyes off Jesus. Uh, he sees, again, the, the wind and the storm. And, and be, when he does that, uh, he, uh, uh, he begins to sink. He begins to sink and... Uh, Jesus immediately, the Bible says, he immediately reaches down and grabs Peter by the arm and pulls him up and, um, you know, just a, a great, great uh, account in the, in the life of Christ. And, you know, we, we talked quickly uh, Sunday morning about some of the lessons that we could learn from that account, such as, you know, Jesus sees our struggles, right? He saw uh, them stranding at the oars. Uh, he saw them, you know, physically, um, Straining, trying to get from one side of the sea to the other. And Jesus saw that. And because of that, uh, he, he was planning on passing pass by them. Uh, Mark tells us that he was just going to plan on walking past them. But uh, when he sees them straining at the oars, he goes to them. And again, he sees our struggles. Uh, he's there in moments of spiritual weakness. Uh, we, we noticed as well. Again, Peter was sinking and Jesus went down and grabbed him. Uh, the, the disciples uh, who were on the, the boat... Um, Mark also told us that, that their hearts were hardened at that time because uh, they still had not uh, comprehended uh, the feeding of the 5,000 that just uh, took place. And so, um, you know, Jesus is there in moments of spiritual weakness, you know, and he's closer than we think as well. You know, that's another great lesson that we can learn from that account that he, he's there, um, he's closer than we think, and he, he's ready to, you know, catch us uh, if we're about to fall. And we need to learn from the life lessons that God uh, teaches us. And so uh, that's really uh, sort of wrapped up that, that uh, study that we looked at Sunday morning. And so uh, we're going to be continuing in John chapter 6. Now John is the only gospel writer that's going to uh, mention this next part uh, in the life of Christ. And unfortunately, uh, it's verses 21 through 71. So you know, we've got a little over 50 verses to cover today. I don't know if we'll be able to get a chance to read all of them, uh, but uh, hopefully we can get as much as we can. But again, John's the only one that's going to mention this discourse, this conversation that's going to go on between him and uh, the, the crowd and his disciples. And so uh, we'll notice those things. And so this is sort of one of the more of Jesus' tougher um, uh, teachings that he does. And so, you know, if you have trouble reading uh, John chapter 6, especially, you know, the section that we're going to cover today, uh, you're not alone, right? Because even after Jesus uh, talked to the disciples and the Jews, uh, they didn't understand what he was saying. And so, and really, that's a lot of times in Scripture, the reason why is because Jesus is always you know he's thinking vertically he's thinking about heaven he's uh, teaching uh, spiritual insights about heaven while the people uh, are constantly you know thinking horizontally they're constantly thinking worldly you know the things around them and so uh, that's uh, that's a problem we see throughout scripture whether it's the the people around him or the disciples or his enemies uh, they're thinking again earthly Uh, Physical, while Jesus has got his mind on the spiritual. And so we're going to see that as well again. So let's uh, begin in verse 21. And we'll we'll sort of cut this up in sections so that we don't have to read all 50 verses at once. Uh, But John chapter 6, starting in verse 21, uh, John records, So they were willing to receive him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. The next day, the crowd that stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other small boat there except one, and that Jesus had not entered with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples had gone away alone. There came other small boats from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread uh, after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Uh, When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? So verse 21, uh, you know, we didn't mention this uh, on Sunday morning, but, you know, there's another, uh, uh, you know, another miracle that occurs there in that verse is that, you know, as immediately as, you know, they get into the boat uh, together, verse 21 tells us that uh, immediately the boat was at the land. So... You know, that's just maybe a, a miracle that we glanced over that uh, that they were right there at the end of the right there at the shore as soon as they got into the boat. But again, they, they land in that area of Gennesaret. And uh, again, that's fortunately it's not on that map, but just, you know, so, somewhere between Capernaum and Magdala. Uh, but the Bible tells us that uh, when they get there, they head towards Capernaum. And of course, Capernaum is Jesus's home base. Uh, this is where a lot of his things are going to center around, and so they're very familiar with Capernaum, and so they head that way. And as they go along, uh, we're told that Jesus is uh, again healing; he's uh, um, he's healing the people as they go. Uh, the crowd realized that Jesus was not on the east side of the sea anymore, and they didn't know that he had left. Again, why? Because he he walked on the water; he passed by them, and. Uh, and it also tells us there that boats were coming to the east side, of these other boats. Well, why? Well, uh, you know, if you see a crowd of people, uh, you know, uh, why would you start to head that way, maybe? Maybe there was a lot of vendors, you know, there's a crowd of people, so they're going to start to head towards uh, that crowd. Maybe there's a chance to make money. Again, maybe uh, they, they caught wind that Jesus and the disciples are in that area, and so they're heading that way. And so people get into the boat, and they head, to, uh, they head towards Capernaum as well, and they get there, they find him, and in verse 25, they ask him, Rabbi, when did you get here? So, uh, the next really the, this next whole section of verses is going to deal with a lot of questions that are going to go back and forth between uh, different groups, uh, the disciples and and the Jews and uh, the crowd of people. And and uh, again, look at uh, verses 26 and verse 27. Oh, actually, we haven't read these yet. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and read uh, verses 26 through 40. So uh, this is Jesus' interaction with the crowd of people who gather. So uh, Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father has set his seal." Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What works do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who... Has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not, on, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Okay. So, uh, did Jesus answer, uh, right, right there at the beginning of that reading, did Jesus answer them the question they asked when they arrived at Capernaum? Remember, they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Did, they, did Jesus answer that question? He didn't, did he? Uh, he? He didn't answer that question, but instead he focused on the reason why he was there. Uh, again, verses 26 and 27 tell us, uh, you you know, truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. And do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, uh, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. You know, again, uh, Christ is wanting them to think about uh, their, their motives and their priorities in that moment. They, they said, you know, he says there, um, you, you seek me, right? you, you, you've spent all this energy to come after me, to find me, uh, not because of uh, you know, who I am uh, or the signs that I gave, uh, but because you, know, you want to be filled again. You, know, you, you were satisfied when I fed you the bread and the fish, and now you're seeking after me because of those things. That's why uh, you want to be around me. And so he, he tells the crowd, uh, you know if they work they 'll get they 'll get a food uh, that does not perish right uh, They inquire about uh, you know about this food uh, in verse twenty eight and you know really you know Jesus is introducing them to the theme that he 's going to be talking about in this whole section and that 's really uh, you know belief uh, verse twenty nine this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent you know that really uh, again, the, these questions that they're, uh, you know, giving to Jesus really lets us really understand and reflect on, you know, what their motives were uh, or that, you know, they had insincere motives. Uh, because, they, because in verse 30, what, what do they ask for in verse 30? They want to see a sign, Right? They want to see another sign from Jesus. Jesus just completed a sign for them the other day. You know, he, he fed the, all those people from uh, the five loaves and the two fish. But now they want another sign. Uh, they, they reference in verse 31 uh, the manna, right? The, the manna all the way back in the Old Testament in in the wandering in the wilderness, and they said, "Hey, listen, Moses, you know he gave us manna for forty years, every day for forty years. Uh, he fed us, or he fed our fathers, you know, physically this manna from heaven." And you know, Jesus gave them that one free meal the other day, and so um, it, it simply appears that you know they're just looking for another meal. They're looking for another uh, physical satisfaction. Uh, But again, then Jesus says to them, uh, you know, that, you know, he gets into this um, discussion about, uh, you know, he's the true bread from heaven, right? He is the true bread from heaven, the bread that gives life to the world. Now, obviously, you know, we might ask the question, do you think they understood uh, what Jesus was talking about at this point? And it does not appear to be so. They're, they're, you know, they're still missing the point. Uh, but but it's, uh, but, but verse 34 says, you know, they're, they're still asking for it, right? This says, Lord, always give us this bread. They, they they're, Again, they're, they're thinking it's some sort of physical bread. Uh, but Jesus, again, is referencing this spiritual bread. Uh, he is the bread of life. And uh, so, again, they're still missing the point. Uh, you remember back in John chapter 4 with the uh, discussion Jesus had with the Samaritan woman? Doesn't this sound a lot like uh, that as far as, uh, you know, Jesus right here is talking about the bread of life. You know, always give me this bread. What was it that Jesus was discussing with the, the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4? Remember what that was? That she was looking to be satisfied with? Water, right. Uh, you know, it's sort of a, very, a lot of parallels here between that account and this account. You know, Jesus t- was talking about the, the water, the spiritual water that he could provide, and she said, You know, give me this water. And here in John chapter 6, you know, he is the bread of life, and they say, Give us this bread. But again, uh, they just, again, they don't understand what he's talking about. He says, I am the bread of life. Now, this is a very important verse, verse 35. In the book of John, seven times Jesus is going to give uh, an I am statement. Uh, He's going to say, I am the bread of life. Uh, Later on, he's going to say, I am the light of the world, or I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. And then finally, in John 15, he's going to say, I am the true vine. Uh, these seven I am statements, there is a lot of significance uh, behind these because he's not simply saying I am saying, you know, I- I'm like bread. But he's uh, when he says I am, uh, this is the Greek phrase ego eimi, which is uh, basically um, meaning I am. I am the self existing one. I am eternal. I am God. Now, that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, uh, "I am the bread of life," pointing to Him as, uh, you know, deity. You know, this goes all the way back into uh, this thought goes all the way back in Exodus chapter three, uh, in verse fourteen, when uh, God said to Moses, "You know, remember Moses? Moses was tasked to go to Pharaoh, and he said, you know, I just can't do that. I, you know, who am I going to tell them uh, sent me.'" And God told Moses to say, in verse 14 of Exodus 3, Say, I am who I am. You know, I am, the great I am. You know, we sing that song, the great I am. Uh, That's uh, an important phrase, uh, because, you know, we just read that and it says, I am the bread of life, but when the Jews heard Jesus say, I am the bread of life, you know, he's pointing to him as being deity, as being a God. Uh, Again, using that phrase all the way back uh, in Exodus chapter 3. And so uh, Jesus stayed with his theme in these verses. Again, uh, you, know, you must believe. Right? That's the work of God, uh, to believe. Uh, even though they saw Jesus, and they just participated in a miracle the prior day, they still, uh, this crowd of people still didn't believe. And really, Jesus was testing this crowd's motives, uh, but they are going to fail uh, he told them that all the way back again in verse 26. You know, you saw these or you're seeking me because you not because of the signs that I did, but because uh, you want to eat more of those loaves. And uh, so uh, he, he's testing that crowd and they failed. So uh, let's look at uh, this next section, verse 41, because now he's going to talk to uh, the Jews. Now, the, the crowd that he just talked to uh, were probably Jews as well, but these are probably more of the prominent Jews that he's speaking to here in verse 41, more of maybe the leadership. Uh, we're not told if there's Pharisees involved here or not, but uh, starting in verse 41, uh, again, I'll have to read fast so that we can get through all these verses. Uh, but John chapter 6, verse 41, Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. They were saying, "'Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven?' Jesus answered and said to them, "'Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father.' Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. When the Jews began to argue with one another, saying... How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living... Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. He who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the Father ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Okay, so uh, there's um, there's a lot of things uh, in those verses that maybe if we're reading it for the first time might be a little perplexing. And so uh, let's try and break it down as we go through here. So the the Jews start to grumble, right? They, they hear Jesus uh, saying, you know, I'm the bread of life. And they start to grumble at this. Why? Well, um, again, the fact that he said, I am, you know, I am the bread of life, uh, uh, pointing to his deity. But also uh, it said there in uh, uh, the first in verse 42 that, again, you know, isn't this Jesus? Isn't this this guy, the, the carpenter's son that we grew up with, and we know his mom and his dad, and yet he's saying that he came from heaven? And so uh, the Jews are grumbling at this. And uh, so Jesus is going to strengthen his claim, again, to be the bread of, the bread of life, and that, um, but they dispute it there in verse 52. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? um he you know he, he says there multiple times that uh, that they are to eat his flesh and drink his blood to have life. Well what's he talking about there? You know there's a um, if you're familiar with you know catholicism, you know the, when when they go to mass, you know once a week and they partake of mass, what they're doing uh, is what's called transubstantiation. And, and when their belief system is that, you know, when they partake of the fruit and, and the bread, is that they're actually, you know, eating the, the flesh of Jesus and that they're actually drinking, you know, his blood. And, uh, the, you know, that, that's their belief that it's literally, uh, miraculously turning into his flesh and blood. And basically, you know, every time they do that, they're, um, you know, Jesus is being sacrificed, you know, every single time they do that. You know, even though the Hebrews writer told us that, you know, the the sacrifice of Jesus was once for all time, you know, for all sins in the past and all sins even to be committed. And so that's not what, uh, that's not what, you know, Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking that we need to physically eat uh, his flesh and and physically drink his blood. Uh, You know, many want to Uh, maybe use these passages as reference to, you know, the Lord's Supper, Uh, but again, you know, there's a lot of symbolism and terminology in those passages that, you know, it sounds like the Lord's Supper, right? Uh, But, uh, you know, the Lord's Supper hasn't been instituted yet. You know, that's going to come later, and so that, again, is not necessarily what uh, Jesus is talking about, but how do we today Literally eat and drink uh, Jesus's flesh and blood, like He says uh, that that we must. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so how we how we live our lives? Yeah, let's look at a couple of verses here. Uh, let's go back and look at verse 47. Um, so truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Right? He who believes in me, he who you know, obeys me, who acts you know, the way that you know, I have commanded them. Again, he who believes has eternal life. And then if we skip down to verse 54, uh, he says he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, right? So um, so we've got he who believes and he who eats and drinks my uh, flesh and blood, uh, they both have the same uh, ending, right? They, they have eternal life, right? And so uh, we can uh, make the distinction that uh, eating his flesh and drinking his blood is the same thing as believing in him, right? And, and that's, Uh, you know, that's the point that he's getting to them and he's testing this crowd, just like he tested, uh, the crowd before he's testing these Jews and they, they just, they're not understanding. And and again, for me to read John chapter six, uh, you know, I've had to read it multiple times to even, uh, you know, come close to understanding what he's saying here, because there's a lot here and, uh, there's a lot of uh, symbolism that he uses. And, and so, um, so I could see, you know, where maybe some of the, those in the crowd are quite confused as what Jesus is teaching here, and and so um, so he's testing them. Now let's look at uh, verses uh, well, fifty nine through sixty six, because now here here's another group that he's going to talk to, uh, right after the Jews. Actually, verse fifty nine we should have read in the last section, but it says these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So again. There we are. We're in Capernaum. And so, uh, verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to him, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. And then verse 66 says, As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him any anymore. So we come to this next group that Jesus is talking to. Now he's talking to his disciples. And, you know, what's their ultimate or what's their immediate reaction? Is it the same thing as the crowd? Yeah, it says they're grumbling too. This is a difficult statement. You know, eat eat my flesh and drink my blood. This is a difficult statement for us to hear. Who can listen to it? Uh, But again, remember, these grumblers were his followers, not his enemies. Um, Why did Jesus' teaching bother his followers, his disciples? Well, he gives us the answer in verses uh, 62 and 63. Again, he's he's emphasizing the spiritual over the physical. Again, uh, they didn't get that. And he also referenced his ascension into heaven there in verse 62. Uh, What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? You know, basically, in essence, what Jesus is saying to his disciples, he says, if you have a hard time accept, accepting me as the Messiah, because I'm focusing on the spiritual and not the physical, how are you going to feel when I ascend into heaven without setting up uh, this physical kingdom that you are all wanting? All right? And so, um, so, again, he sadly confirms that many among his disciples did not even believe. He's testing his disciples' priorities, and they've failed. And you know, this has to be one of the lowest points in Christ's ministry, don't you think? Uh, that even his disciples are now leaving him. Verse 66, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him uh, anymore. And so one more crucial test remains. Uh, verses 67 through 71, so Jesus said to the twelve, you do not want to go away, also do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I myself not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray them. You know, He's, he's been testing these different... Uh, groups, and now he gets to his you know his, his the twelve the, the apostles, and he says, "Do you want to go all go away also and of course, here we go with peter uh, it 's always Peter who steps up to, to say something and he of course says, Where would we go you know we 've left everything to follow you. Where would we go? You have the words of eternal life, and you know really uh, they are the group that pass uh this you know this test that Jesus is giving them, uh, except at least 11 of them, right, because we're told one of them kind of, it seems like at this point, uh, it, you know, this point in, this, in the life of Christ that maybe this is the the day that maybe Judas decided to uh, maybe turn on Jesus, right, the, to betray him. Maybe this is the day that he ultimately makes that decision. He doesn't physically leave like some of those other disciples do. Uh, he's going to stay with the 12, But it appears that you know maybe this was the day uh, after this discourse, after these teachings, that uh, he no longer was going to follow uh, Jesus. And so Jesus challenges us today too. He tested them; he tests us as well. Um, He tested the motives of the crowd. You know, are why are you following me? Uh, He tested the motives uh, of the Jews, or at least their understanding uh, of what he was talking about. Again. You know, that that's a hard saying, they said. Uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Uh, but ultimately, what he was getting at was that, you know, we have to work the works of him, he says. Uh, that belief is a work. And uh, I am the bread of life. You know, I am that substance that, you know, you need to, um, you know, spiritually uh, nourish your bodies with. Again, uh, stop thinking about the physical bread that I just... Uh, Served the other day, but start start thinking about the spiritual bread that I am, yes, uh, you know God provided the manna in the Old Testament, uh, but that was to physically sustain them uh, but now i 'm here, you know Jesus is here today I am that that bread that that bread of life um, and so uh, again you know the the apostles passed that test uh, to whom shall we go and so I'm surprised we got through all those verses here, uh, <laughs> but uh, thankful for your participation this evening. Uh, we'll be in Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23 on Sunday morning when we look at traditions uh, that Jesus is going to talk about.